Do you ever feel inadequate? Like a fraud? Like no matter what you do, it's just not enough? Like you're always on the verge of being found out? You may be wrestling with imposter syndrome, an excessive and unsubstantiated feeling of self-doubt coupled with an extreme lack of confidence. I'm your host, Betty Danowitz. Tune in as I interview highly successful individuals about their experience with this psychological phenomenon. In this If You Ask Betty podcast series, I have questions about imposter syndrome. Today's special guest is Mike Simmons, founder of Catalyst Sale. Hi, Mike. How are you doing? Hi, Betty. I'm doing well. How are you doing? I'm doing great. So, Mike, tell us a little bit about you. Tell us about you. I am originally from New York, went to high school in Southern California, graduated from Arizona State University after seven years at the school. I do not have a a postgraduate degree, though. just took me that long to get out of Arizona State. Um <laughs> all fun. Uh, I have lived in a couple of different states. I've lived in Seattle. I have now am back in Arizona. I am uh, married for, I affectionately refer to it as an eternity. And Jen laughs when I say that, but but also rolls her eyes. And I don't know if she laughs just because she's humoring me, but uh, I've been married for a long time. We got married in 98. And um, do you know how many years that is? You want me to do the math for you? Twenty-three. I I started to do the math, and I had to say the (laughs) year. So so then we've got a we've got a fifteen-year-old and an eighteen-year-old in the house. The eighteen-year-old is getting ready to go. He's going to go to Arizona State. Um, And it's it's funny. It's much harder to get into Arizona State University today than it was when I went to school. Mm. I think when I went to school, all you had to do is be able to fog up a mirror, and you could they'd let you they'd get let you into the school. so yeah, I mean, just kind of a yeah, normal normal guy, wife, two kids, live in the suburbs, have a fence around the house, have a dog. Uh, I have worked in operations. I've worked in consulting, uh, implementation, customer success type stuff. Sales guy, sales leader. Uh, currently, uh, chief revenue officer at a cybersecurity company uh, called CybeSafe, and number of years back, I launched a business and now I've gone back into full-time work. Yeah. So what would you say are some of your biggest accomplishments in life and in work? I know you've mentioned your family, you've sort of mentioned your business, but is there anything else that you would sort of throw in the pile as things that you're proud of, your big accomplishments? Yeah. I mean, I think the, the biggest accomplishment at this point is that both of the kids are still here and healthy. Yeah. Like, you know, it's, it's a, uh, as anybody who's ever had kids knows, there are struggles that you go through and they, they start almost before the kids come and then, uh, and then the struggles just get different and then the struggles get different after that and then they get more different. And, um, so I, I think it's, I think it's great to have kids who, when other parents are talking about them or my brothers and sisters are talking about them, they, uh, they think that they've been raised well. And that's, that's really, that's all Jen. And I'll take a little bit of credit because, um, I was able to get Jen to marry me. So (laughs) (laughs) there you go. 
uh, that I think launching the business was such a cool thing to do. I'd wanted to do it forever and I just never had the guts to do it. I didn't know. I just didn't, I didn't, I didn't think that I could ever do it. And fortunately I had a business partner at the time and we launched the business in 2015. And that was an exciting thing. That's, that was a huge accomplishment. Being able to keep a couple of folks employed over time, um, uh, never being forced to have to go into a, a job again, but now finding an opportunity where the perfect opportunity for me to join an organization has come up and, and they happened to have been a client uh, at, at, you know, at, at one time. But um, yeah, those are all pretty good accomplishments. I've been able to maintain some really good, build some really good individual relationships with people. And, uh, you know, there are a number of folks out there, one of them being the person on the other end of this microphone where I feel like if I ever had to ask a question or needed someone, you're just a text message away or a Slack message away and you'll respond. And it's nice to have people out there that, you know, are going to respond, uh, when you, when you, when, uh, when you have uh, some need. Yeah. Yeah. So let me take that last question and kind of flip it a little bit. So the what would others say about you? What would they say are your biggest accomplishments? Anything that you haven't already mentioned? I have no idea. Okay. Betty, what would you say is my biggest, what would you say if I asked you what are some of my biggest well, accomplishments? Well, I'm pretty sure you have a podcast. <laughs> you know what? I you do. do. I've got a podcast. You, do. you have a podcast. <laughs> yeah. And how many episodes have you produced on your podcast? 245. 245 episodes. And what's the average time of your podcast? Do you say like 20, 30 minutes? It depends. Average is a tough one because I've got a weird, weird set of formats. So if it's just Jody and I, Jody's the host, if it's just Jody interviewing me or we're having a conversation around a specific topic, we try to keep it to 15 to 20 minutes, okay. no more than 20 minutes, ideally less than 15 if we can do it. When I bring on guests and I interview guests, I allow those to go up to an hour. They do get edited down, so you can they can mm -hmm. remove some things out of the out of the out of the audio. But uh, if a guest is on there, they usually run about forty five minutes to an hour. If it's me and Jody, and I just want to reinforce a point, like something around you know sales practice or asking questions or mindset or dealing with conflict or any of those kind of topics, goal setting and execution, then I really try to keep those nice and tight. And the reason I do it that way is I hope that there are people out there who will go back and listen to the same episode over mm -hmm. and over again, because that specific topic at that moment made an impact and they'll be able to apply it uh, to get better at whatever the thing is that they're working on doing. So two formats and I completely forgot about the uh, podcast. Yeah. So thanks. Yeah. So, uh, and out of 245 episodes, right? 245. Yeah. About how many yep. guest speakers? Just, just ballpark. Um, I would venture to guess 75. Okay. I would venture to guess 75, but I'm not a hundred percent. Yeah, that's okay. Certain. I mean, it's, a, it's about. Yeah, we're, and we're doing more guests now. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah. And so at the beginning, there weren't really any. And then evolved the format. So right now, I'd probably say plus or minus 75. And a couple of people I've had on as return, return guests, guests yeah. as we've yeah. gone through it. Yep. And okay, one more question about the podcast. So who would you say was your, the biggest thrill for you to get to be your guest on the podcast? 
biggest thrill. Like, oh my gosh, I can't believe they said yes. It's not me. I haven't been on your podcast. Just FYI. That's right. I was trying to remember. No, <laughs> I know. no, that's where, that's where, that's a mess. Like on my end, I should have had you on the podcast and then I could have said, yeah, that would have, that would have worked out nicely. Betty. Yeah, that's fine. That would have worked out really nice. I, the, my favorite episode that I've recorded to date, my favorite episode that I've recorded to date is the one that I did with Ray Edwards and it was on copywriting. And I wouldn't have called it a thrill because there were some different connections. I was able to get access to them and, and um, I wouldn't have called it a thrill. Biggest thrill, biggest thrill. God, this is a tough question. I was really excited to get Brent Beshore, or not Brent Beshore, excuse me. I'll edit that. <laughs> That's one person I'd like to get on. But uh, Bo Burlingham, Bo Burlingham wrote a couple of books, really, really amazing books. One of them is uh, Finish Big, and the mm. other one is uh, Small Giants. And uh, Bo is an author. He had written a number of articles for Inc. Uh, having Bo on as a guest was a really was, was just, was just really cool. And, uh, and just kind of going through stories and how the books came together. So that would, that's probably biggest thrill. Um, best episode though, hands down that recent one that I did with Ray Edwards, just cause, cause Ray, Ray is, Ray is just fascinating. And, um, you had a lot to share around copywriting. Most popular episode though, is the one where Donald Miller joined on and Donald Miller, uh, it, it wrote, uh, building a story brand. Uh-huh. So he's known for the story brand framework, which is something I've applied in a lot of the work that I do. So it was really neat to have Donald on the biggest, the problem with that episode, and it is the most downloaded episode of the catalyst cell podcast. The problem with the episode is my audio was being picked up by my, uh, my Mac, Ugh. not my primary microphone. The worst. So Donald has the voice of an angel and I sound like I'm in a Bathroom. You sound like you got your hand over your mouth like this. Oh, it's, it's absolutely oh. brutal. And it is the most downloaded episode of the and podcast. You can't so, fix it. so there you go. Yeah. So people can have, have now have seen me at my worst. Yes. Yeah. Donald Miller, though, that's kind of a big deal. Uh, you'll have to tell me sometime how you got him to say yes. Um, so, so it sounds to me like you've had a good amount of success. And so it's interesting. What what has been your experience with imposter syndrome? Yeah, it it um you know, usually rears its ugly head when I'm tired, when I'm burnt out, uh, when I feel overwhelmed, and yeah, I look around and I think, God, why am I not able to accomplish what others are able to accomplish, mm-hmm. or why why am I why am I why am I not able to be successful here. And so that's when it comes up and it'll come up periodically. I mean, it even comes up, um, now, uh, you know, just, especially as you're onboarding in a new role and you're trying to just do so many things and not, those things aren't coming together at the speed of, for which you'd like to see them come together. And you start to question your capabilities and whether or not you're, whether or not you're a fraud. Um, I know I'm not a fraud. Like I've been, I've, I've, been a part of some amazing organizations. I've built some amazing organizations. I have, um, I, I, I know I'm not a fraud. However, 
there are points of weakness though, where it comes out and you start to think you question it, uh, where it hit me the first, the first time it hit me pretty hard was the, was when I had taken on my first really big leadership role inside an organization. And I was sitting around the table and I saw everybody else talking and providing some input and answering questions and doing all these things. And I looked around the room and I thought, man, I have no right to be in the role that I'm in. Anybody around this room could be in this same position. Why, why am, why am I doing this? And, um, uh, and, and so those are kind of the two, two ends of the extreme first time starting to lead people. And then even just recently, as you, as you take on a lot, uh, you can, you can get into that, that mode of, do I belong? Do, should I be here? Mm. Am I, am I worthy? And I mean, I know I am, but that doesn't mean it doesn't go through my head every once in a while. Yeah. So just because you know, it doesn't mean you feel it. Right. And uh, so so when you're having one of these sort of episodes of imposter syndrome, like a couple of that you've described, what does it feel like? What emotions do you have? Yeah, the fear uh-huh. is a big one. Um, uncertainty is a big one. So fear, uncertainty, uh, anxiety. Um, I think those those are the. Those are those are those are the those are the big ones: fear, uncertainty, anxiety, um, and a, a lot of it's the fear of failure. And it's not that, yeah, it's the it's a it's a fear of failure related to, um, uh, you know, no, a, a number of things. It could be. Yeah. What, what if, what if I really don't belong? Mm. Like what if, and what if I'm just absolutely found out and that's why, and I shouldn't even be in the, the, the individual role. I think, I think the biggest one is fear. Yeah. Biggest one is fear. Fear of being found out that you're a complete fraud. Yeah. Even though I know I'm not, but, and maybe it's a fear of people of, of getting the feedback that, yeah, like someone just saying, why are you even here? Like, do you even belong here? Yeah. And nobody's ever asked me that. Nobody has ever come up and said, hey, dude, you're just in the wrong place. Uh, why are you here? That hasn't happened. So uh, maybe it's just an unreasonable, unrealistic fear. Yeah. Too. Yep. So when that happens, h- how do you cope? Do you have techniques that you put into practice? I mean, what makes it better? it depends. It depends on whatever, what the trigger is, like what, what the, why I'm feeling a a given, a given way. Um, so if, uh, the reason I'm feeling a given way is because I can really just look at it and say, I'm just overwhelmed. I've just taken on too many different things. And, uh, and that's the reason why we're not executing on whatever the, whatever the next set of things are that are in front of me, then, um, I will usually just take a break. And I'll go out these days. I'll actually go out and I'll play golf um, just because it gets me, gets my mind out of the operation and creates some space mm. for me to kind of be free and, and think, and then I can come back to whatever challenge it is that I'm working on with a, with an, with an open mind. Um, if it is, another situation where it's not a level of being overwhelmed, but it's more of a, um, 
like a, a questioning of capability or, um, yeah, again, you know, getting back into that, hey, why do I deserve this or why should I be here or there's so many other people that could do this better. Then what I'll do is I'll usually go to um, members of a close like, peer group and I'll share what I'm running into and I'll ask some questions mm-hmm. and, and they'll ask me some questions and we'll kind of talk through those things. But usually there's there's times where I just need to be alone and then there are times where I need to kind of get a boost from others. And I just, I've got to, I've, I've got to be deliberate about how I decide to apply one of those tools or the, or the other. Um, yeah, that's, that's, those are, those are the two big ones that come to mind. I'm trying to think like there have been other instances, you know, like right before I'm getting ready to speak in front of a group, mm-hmm. I'll say, I'll, you get that those that anxiousness that anxiety that's happening in the and um yeah even even there like i these are these are stupid small things but one of the things that i'll do is i'll i'll put on some music uh get myself kind of mentally in the in in the game or i will uh, um in a better instance where i've actually got the ability to do it i'll go walk around the group of people that are out there and you know, have some just some quick conversations so i've got different people in the room who i know that i've had some kind of connection mm-hmm. with who i can um make eye contact with during the discussion because based on the connection we had earlier i believe that i'm going to get some kind of positive reinforcement from them. So now it's just a matter of kind of figuring out what's the thing that's going to help you get out of the funk, whether it's friends, get out, taking a break and going, hitting some balls or, um, you know, uh, having an advocate that'll give you some positive reinforcement. So like, let me ask you a follow-up question about that advocate. Um, and, and that's this. So you, you find somebody in the crowd that, you know, you make sure you connect with them before the session so that as you're speaking, you have a friend in the audience. Does having that friend in the audience validate you enough that sort of the the, the fear of being found out kind of goes away because you're like, oh, well, I've got, you know, if somebody does say, hey, you don't know what you're talking about, at least I've got somebody here that might say, yes, he does. Yeah, it's not even that kind of friend. What I do is I look for people who I might just be able to have a quick conversation with. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they're not, they're not a friend yet. They're more of an acquaintance. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and uh, so it's, and it's more that I know when I'm looking around, I can get the visual cue. Yeah. It's less about getting them to stand up and say something. Cause I know it's uncomfortable for some people to s- stand up and say something. Um, uh, some people struggle with that. I mean, I, I think if you're one of those people who struggles with asking questions in a group for whatever reason, realize if you have that question, there's probably, depending on the size of the group, a number of other people have the same question, mm-hmm. have the confidence, stand up, ask the question. You're going to be helping people around you. Yeah, for sure. So what would you share with someone who is experiencing imposter syndrome? It depends on when they're experiencing it. Right now. So they're experiencing um, it right now. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> so like when in their career are they experiencing it? When in their life are they experiencing it? If they're if they're down the road and they've been really successful and they 
are still kind of struggling with it, I would almost say embrace it and realize that hey, it's just no, be really clear about what the triggering events are that could get you into that kind of a mode. Um, you know, sometimes it re- will reveal itself as burnout. Sometimes it will reveal itself as being in a rut. Sometimes it will reveal itself in you know, true, you know, imposter syndrome where you, where you feel like a fraud and a, and that you don't belong and that you're, that you, you're, you shouldn't be in the same room with a group of people. Um, but that, so if, later on, you probably have figured out some coping mes- mechanisms early on in your career early on your, your career, what I would suggest that you do is, and this is going to be super, super tough. I would suggest that you go to somebody that you trust who is either in the role that you're in. I don't know if they, they're going to be inside your organization, but go to somebody that you trust that is in the role that you're in and ask them if they've ever felt the same way. Mm. And I think you'd be surprised how many people will say, Sure. Yeah. I felt the same way. I've, and then ask them how they dealt with it and how they, how they overcome it. And they'll probably be able to give you some more deliberate pointers relative to that level of experience. Um, so those would be, those would be two tips depending on, on both sides, on the more experienced side where you're still struggling with it. And then on the earlier career side where you are just kind of getting in your own way mentally. Yeah. Okay, Mike, I have one last question for you. Why did you want to be part of this imposter syndrome project? What made you raise your hand and say, yes, ask me? I think it's an important thing. It's, I mean, it's an important thing to let people know that others continue to struggle with this and that, you know, even people who on the outside look really successful. I mean, I'm, you know, I'm sure that there are a number of people out there who'd be surprised that I would that I would uh, talk about imposter syndrome and some of the challenges associated with it. Uh, and they'd be surprised that I've had, that I've had struggles with it other than those who've kind of heard me talk about it either on the podcast or in those, in those, in the conversations. Uh, someone who doesn't know me, who looks at my LinkedIn profile might uh, say, you know, that someone like that doesn't, wouldn't, wouldn't deal with it. And I would say, uh, you know, you're wrong. I think it's um, it's something that many of us deal with at, at one point or another. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, by sharing my story, it might help others say, one, I'm not alone. I'm not the only person who's dealing with this kind of stuff. Uh, I know somebody who's in my network who's done some really impressive and interesting things, yet they still struggle with it from time to time. So um this really isn't, it's not a, it's not a, it's not a bad thing. It's a bad thing when it becomes debilitating. It's a bad thing when it gets in your way of taking chances and uh, operating with no fear mm-hmm. and getting out there and actually doing things. If it's getting in the way of you being able to do the work that you want to do, then, then it's important that you go and you, you talk with, with people. Um, it can also be, uh, a bit empowering. It, it can be in, you know, invigorating. It can be one of those things where if you turn it around, you can say, hey, how can I use this healthy level of, and I don't know if it's healthy, but this level of paranoia to help push me through and constantly strive to do better. The challenge is you could constantly strive to do better and then ultimately be disappointed with yourself because you still deal with it 
from time to time. Mm -hmm. And if you're still dealing with from time to time, know what those triggers are and then do what you can to uh, either avoid the triggers or be aware of them when they start to happen. Yeah. Well, and we appreciate you um, being vulnerable and sharing your story. Um, I'm I'm certain it's going to help others as they relate to what you've gone through. So thank you, Mike. Thank you, Betty. If you like this series or any of the If You Ask Betty content, please go to buymeacoffee.com forward slash If You Ask Betty to learn how you can support this and future If You Ask Betty projects. And be sure to check out more episodes of the podcast series, I Have Questions About Imposter Syndrome. Peace out.